Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DestroProds.com Movies and Television Podcast. <coughs> I just woke up. Do you know what day we have? Okay, I ain't got time for this. <sighs> Great start to the show, just constantly talking over each other. Anyway, we're here to talk about fucking movies and shit. Uh, no rascal this week. He is currently making a movie. So we'll get to critique that in a couple of years. Yep, that will be... That will be Cave Man's Return to Let's Watch as we just shit on Rascal's movie. He's <laughs> like, what is this, your thesis film? Fuck off, you fucking film student. God, can we? Can you spell pretentious? <laughs> oh. oh, God, what if it was? What if it was one of those fucking, like, Weird, like fucking black and white movies about a dude speaking in French while smoking a cigarette and then he just kills himself. <laughs> oh, God. It's like, this is about capitalism. <laughs> and then I'm just sitting there with my hand on my face and going, what? I never get deeper meanings to films. I'm always that, I'm that surface level guy. It's I've... why I, like, like, uh, I'm sure I've talked about this before, but. When the Media Whores did the Max Payne review, I was sitting there for the longest time thinking that I just didn't get it. <laughs> and like there was, oh, there must be some deeper meaning. And then as we talked about it, I just slowly realized that it truly was just a dumb piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I got so mad at the film. Yeah, yeah, that movie doesn't, that movie can't have extra meaning. Yeah, I've been I've been learning to see hating meaning in stuff. I've been getting better at it. I've been seeing other people talk about it and like looking for signs of it now. I've started writing a dissertation in my head about why the color blue in Magic the Gathering is actually the bourgeoisie and the and red is the communist party here to take them down. I can never play Magic the Gathering with you. <laughs> Just don't play blue. Blue is my favorite. Then you're a monster. I love controlling things. I actually am not allowed to play blue against certain decks uh, with one of my groups of friends because they'll they react like, "Well, guess I can't play this deck at all." Yeah, you you are history's it, greatest monster, a blue player. It's a slow burn deck, and I'm just like, uh, "No, uh, no, uh, no, you can't play that. No," and it makes them angry. Yeah, blue is the fucking worst. I got a fucking guys that I play with here. One of them has a fucking blue-white Voltron deck. <laughs> what? It's what they call decks that are built around equipments and auras. Ah. Uh. Got another guy who has a just fucking just control deck, just fucking Demir control. And I'm just sitting here with fucking black, red, and green, just like, hey, I want to play things, goddammit. I have 25, Look, 23, 23 fucking plants, and I can't attack anybody because it fucking pay, I have to pay seven mana to fucking attack you with one creature. Look, I, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, and summoning's not one. Bitch. <laughs> uh, anyway. Movies and shit. We gotta talk about those. It's a caveman. What have you been watching? All right. Well, I'm going to start with the best and go to the worst. Alrighty. Uh, 
Hey, were you ever a fan of Supernatural? Eh, Kind of. Were you ever a fan of Scooby-Doo? Right, yeah, that. Yeah, they did a crossover. I forgot about that. It was actually good. That was the biggest shocker to me, that it was good. So I forget, was it a Scooby-Doo straight-to-DVD movie, or was it an episode of Supernatural? It was an episode of Supernatural. Supernatural fans must have been fucking pissed. I don't see why. It was actually well handled on both sides. Yeah, but like it's Supernatural fans are to use a word passionate. And so it feels like anything that isn't supernatural on Supernatural will be met with nothing but violent hostility. Eh, potentially. I don't know. Just I, I don't so, know. I don't spend a lot of time in the in one third of the Tumblr fandom. Because apparently because for some fucking reason. I don't know if this is still a thing. I don't know if it was ever a thing. But y'all ever but you ever heard of fucking Super Hulock? No, I've not. It is this retarded combination of Doctor Who, Sherlock, and Supernatural all combined into a single fandom. Okay. For reasons that, that I cannot comprehend. That's that's interesting. Um, so, I don't want to get too into spoilers. Um, uh, it is based off of the episode. Let me just double check this. It is based off of the Scooby-Doo episode, uh, A Night of Fright is No Delight, which is one of the last ones of season one. I am a giant Scooby-Doo nerd, so I was sitting there watching it like, hmm, are they being accurate? Hmm. <laughs> like, literally, at the end of the episode, I turned to Birdie and I was like, okay, so I'm going to pull out my Scooby-Doo DVD collection that you got me for my wedding. And we're going to watch that episode and make sure it was at least partially accurate. The house design was wrong. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, but that's really my only complaint. Um, though they did reference something that extremely angers me. And was that? Okay, so at the end of the episode of Scooby-Doo... They find the reward. Uh, the premise is Scooby uh, has to stay in this house, haunted house, overnight in order to inherit ass loads of money. Yeah. Um, and he does. And they get the money, and it turns out that's all Confederate dollars. Anyone who has studied currency at all would be able to t- tell you very simply, that that money is worth mind-numbing amounts. Uh-huh. However, Velma, the smart one, and the rest of the gang just laugh it off as, ah, it's worthless, ha ha ha, and walk away. Oh, silly, this money is old. Old money doesn't have value. I'm not even that into currency. And I'm just sitting there like, oh my god, the writers were idiots. 
Yeah. Also, I know this doesn't make sense to be something that kind of missed me about it, but it the voice that casting guy for Scooby Doo is from Be Cool Scooby Doo, one of the the most recent Scooby Doo show. Well, they don't sound they sound right. No, it's just the you entire really like the entire cast is the same cast from Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated. Oh, except for Velma. She sounds like old school Velma well enough anyway. Yeah, for the for the curious, it was Kate Micucci, who is from a couple of different shows as well as the comedy band Garfunkel and Oates. Oh, I, I you know what? Fuck it. I said I wasn't going to spoil it, but if you can't call. Like, literally the entire premise from the first five minutes. You don't watch enough of these shows. Also, so the episode is seven it. months old. Yeah, I am go- I'm going to spoil it. Um, so, we cu- we, inter- we enter the show with um, Sam and Dean fighting a stuffed dinosaur. As you do. Uh, they blow it up with holy water fire. Like they they spray holy oil on it and then light it on fire and it explodes. Um, wait, holy wait, holy oil. The villain comes in. Is it the you, same you holy are, oil they use to banish angels? No, I think it's something. I think it's different. But I it's it's this is like season fourteen, and <laughs> boy, do they look season fourteen. By the way, yeah, I, 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 I remember after I remember, coming like, back from watching seasons one through five. They look season 14. Yeah, that was the thing. I I remember, like, back when Supernatural, like, broke for me, and I was just like, oh, fucking Jesus Christ, what the fuck is this? And I started talking with, like, Birdie and Cora about it and stuff, and it was very much like, yeah, season one through five were pretty all right. I, just, I decided to go back, and it was like watching fucking toddlers. Yeah. Um, but, oh. Uh, so, the villain walks in, literally, like... This guy, like, you look at him and you're like, okay, you're the bad guy of the episode, aren't you? You're the one that's, you're the one who's doing, it's so obvious and it's actually brilliant because that's exactly how it is on Scooby-Doo. It's like, you see the guy and you're like, that's the guy. Yeah. Like, if you've watched any amount of Scooby-Doo, you know who the villain is. Just which one of these people is crotchety and or old. It's so fucking obvious. Um... And my my favorite thing about this is we um we watched an episode we watched a few episodes of Scooby Doo af- immediately afterwards, and they they say a line in the show where it's it's always like greedy land developers or something. Not only like the villain is a greedy land developer, like he wants to buy up all the property in the area, and he's been using a ghost to scare people off. Yeah, naturally. There's fucking gold in there or whatever. Um. But, God, it's so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. Um, so, the guy had gotten his hands on a pocket knife that contained the soul of an angry young boy. Who only wanted to go see his father again. Okay. Um, and he, he slipped the pocket knife into objects. And then the objects, once possessed, would be able to do things. It's like he slips it into a giant stuffed dinosaur, the giant stuffed dinosaur attacks people. So the guy who they helped out is like, hey, take this television. Well, actually, he's like, anything you want in the store, because he's, he's running a junk shop. Like, yeah. Anything you want in the store is yours. So he's, Dean's like, 
that widescreen TV. So as they're slipping it out, the bad guy slips the pocket knife into the TV in one of the slots that isn't big enough for it, but I'll hand wave it because it was a junk TV, so someone probably broke those. Yeah, you know, those old TV slots. Yeah. Um, you just stab them all day. Sucked in, like, they, they turn the TV on, and apparently it was on the Scooby-Doo station or something, and they get sucked into the episode A Night of Fright is No Delight, where our heroes... And by that, I mean the Scooby gang. Naturally. It's Scooby-Doo. I don't care what Sam and Dean are doing. I uh, have to put up with uh, a big asshole and an actually intelligent person coming to help them out. Um, Dean spends literally the entire episode hitting on Daphne, who is a teenager. Yeah. It's creepy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They... He's like 40 <laughs> or older. <laughs> and she's like 16. It's legal somewhere. It's creepy. Stop it, Dean. And then the entire episode, Velma is hitting on Sam. Okay, actually. Which I'm half like, yeah, that makes sense given what we see throughout the uh, franchise. But mm, he's still 40. Yeah. So, hey, actually. Uh, so, um,. Yeah, Jensen Ackles is exactly 40. There you go. <laughs> and Jared Padalecki's 36. Okay. They're old. They're too old to be flirting with teenagers. They started this show when they were both 12. It's creepy. But, um, so yeah. Uh, let me see. Let me go to my notes to make sure I'm not missing anything that I uh, wanted. Oh yeah, Fred is a tool, like full on, like hardcore. He's a tool the entire time. It's just so weird. And then we get our first body, and this is where the disconnect happens. There's an actual murder victim right in front of them, and the Scooby Gang, instead of showing any of the standard reactions, says, "Well, gang, guess it's time to solve a mystery." <laughs> Let's find out who murdered this man. And I was just like, oh, okay, Scooby gang. Like, really? Shaggy and Scooby aren't going to have a breakdown over, you know, seeing a dead body? But no, they, they, go, about, they go about trying to solve the mystery, and whoo Sam and Dean the entire time are trying to find the actual ghost because, you know, this isn't how the episode happened. So something must be off. Yeah. And, like, eventually the Scooby gang confronts the ghost and it breaks Fred's nose and breaks Shag's arm. At which point Jesus. the gang are confronted with the, confronted with the fact that ghosts are real and out to kill them. And they all have a breakdown. <laughs> That's what causes it. Like, well, guys, we just saw all our first of these dead body. Supernatural things that they knew weren't real all this time are real, and for the first time ever, they're getting hurt. So they're just they're just having the the maximum of freakouts. How how graphic are the, is the actual violence? Uh, not very. Um, Shaggy's arm is bent in a weird way. 
and we see a little bit of blood from Fred. The real graphic nature comes from the displaying of the corpses. Okay. Because the first one, oh, it's just a bloody corpse with a knife in its back. That's not that impressive. The second one has been dismembered and strung up in many ways. Very nice. Like, this kid was demented in life. Do Sam and Dean pull out guns? Yes. Okay. They, that uh, is... This is this sounds like it is. Oh man, this this thinking about it. I don't. It sounds. I don't know who this episode is for. Like, like I. I don't know. Like with you and your fucking insane Scooby Dooness. You're fucking noticing production errors that they they got wrong about the thing. The violence and the whole like actual gore aspect of things seems a bit. Out of what Scooby Doo is, yeah, it it is outside of the normal realm, and they actually address the fact that they have to do something to get the gang back to neutral. So, like after they've caught the ghost, um, actually using some of the same, attempting to use the same trap that they used in the episode, just expanded upon. Um, they then are like, we've got to not break these kids otherwise we've destroyed their universe Do they actually say kids yes they refer to them as kids so dean knows um, he's hitting on a child yeah that that adds a layer sure i'm pretty sure they refer to them as kids they might have all they might have referred to them as the gang but other characters refer to them as kids so it's like mm. yeah don't don't yeah. don't no, try to fuck creepy. children it's creepy um. Uh. So the ghost, after telling his backstory and oh the evil, um, agrees to turn into Cosgood creeps, uh, to fool the gang into thinking that he was the one behind it the whole time, and the gang just leaves instead of how they usually do it and call when they call the police. They just say, oh, we got this, and just leave. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, uh, the Supernatural gang gets back. Because Castiel found his way in, too. And he was helping out. Is he still an angel? Uh, he has superpowers still, so I guess. I don't really know. This show is fucking ludicrous, man. Yeah. I, I I stopped watching a long time ago, but I'm glad I came back for Scooby Natural. Um, but so they the, the the gang's back in the real world. They like we we cut to in the shop with the junk shop owner selling to obvious villains obvious, and they the 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 three of them come in, and he's like, oh hey uh, guys. How you doing? And they explain the whole mystery. And they're like, well, you can't do anything to me about it. Like, there's no proof. And he's like, no. Well, we got you for tax evasion. And while he is being dragged off, the part of the only part of the episode that actually made me mad. He shouts, I could have gotten away with it if it weren't for you meddling kids. And Dean then looks into the camera and goes, Scooby-Dooby-Doo. However, they somewhat bring it back 
by having Sam and Castiel go, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, also Dean ends the episode wearing an ascot. What the fuck uh, is this show anymore, dude? I don't know. Like, Christ. But that was Scooby Natural. It was very weird. Uh, I'm not going to be going back to continuing to watch Supernatural. Good. Uh, this episode didn't bring me back. However, I do give the episode of Scooby Natural a four out of five. It is, if you're a fan of Scooby-Doo and or a fan of Supernatural, I recommend giving it a watch. It's actually, it's a very interesting, very interesting episode. And I like the way it takes the characters that I love and kind of just, twists them a little bit it's it's fun for me i enjoy it maybe it's just it doesn't describe very well it it actually like i enjoyed the episode so no like like, 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 like you, you say you're enjoying it but from just hearing you describe it it sounds like i would hate it you might well hate it i don't know man supernatural is a fucking these is worse supernatural is a fucking shit show which of you is worse? You're, you're worse. Okay. So next I'm going to talk about Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's The Lost World. Is that the full title? Um, that's the title. And about half of this show, it seems to be, <laughs> is what is the best way to display breasts? Oh, it's a show. I thought that was... Okay, for some reason, I was thinking the movie starring The Rock. No. Which is Journey to the Center of the Earth. No, I'm not talking about that, no. But, so, literally, one of my first notes. This ran for three seasons? (laughs) Um, so... We start off seeing Captain Explorer Pants. Um, I didn't write down anybody's names because they didn't matter. Um, <laughs> Captain Explorer Pants at, at an expedition in, I believe, I believe he's in the Amazon. I believe that's where we are. Uh, and a guy shows up half dead with a strange infection. And he gives Captain Explorer Pants a journal that contains details on a place where dinosaurs still exist. Yeah, that's a fucking name. What? The leader of the expedition, Professor George Edward Challenger. Uh, Okay. So, he goes back to Britain, or wherever, somewhere in in, uh, the British area. And he's like, I found proof of dinosaurs! And they're like, you're crazy! And he's like, I have more balls than anyone in here! Who dares go with me? <laughs> and he, he he specifically calls out one dick who has been deriding his claims the entire time. <laughs> and the dick's like, ah, fine, I'll go. I'm the old man who doesn't believe in any of this character. And then another guy's like, I'll go. And like, I'll, I'm just going to give you the character but i'm the hunter character who wants to get the big kill that, that's his character i'm going to stick my and dick in like, a dinosaur 
And then they're like, well, how are you going to pay for this expedition? And he's like, I thought you guys would pay. And they're like, ah, bullshit. We're not paying for this stupidity. <laughs> you fucking dumbass. And then, uh, and then cold, awesome, badass, rich girl comes in and says, I'm paying, but I'm going. And they're like, (laughs) next thing we see, they're in the Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it is. I actually have to praise this uh, because it seems like they actually attempted to cast people who were the right race for the right role. Like their guides all seem to be like, that like the, uh, the like they seem to have the right skin tone for the area is the best I can say. So actually, most of them don't talk. Question in the in the transition between chortling to the Amazon, is there a smash cut mid chortle? Um, I can't remember. I must admit, I might not be remembering this as well as I should be because I had I had had some rum. Well, yeah, given that the show um, came out in 1999, I'd assume you'd have to. Yeah. Fuck, look at the title uh, um, card. I can tell what kind of show this is. Yeah. Oh, the CG is so mediocre. Oh, I oh, bet. Oh, man. We'll give Mortal like Kombat Annihilation like for their money. The, they took the early versions of stuff from Jurassic Park. <laughs> um, yeah, they, and then just poorly shopped it into the scene, too. Yeah, the, the, like, the, C- the, the CG was done by... Not, a, actually. The CG was done by a studio that lost their bid to do Jurassic Park. Yeah. So... Uh, they're exploring the lost world, you know, yada yada, blah blah blah. Oh, it's so fascinating. Uh, boring as hell. Oh my uh, god, they got a T-Rex. Well, they actually do, like, they steal the classic scene from Jurassic Park where you see a bunch of dinosaurs in the background all peacefully walking around. Um. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Well, so here's what happens next. Um, like they're on their way, and this is—I I have to talk about the scene because it so fully encapsulates what I think this show wants. We get um, badass lady just randomly swimming for no reason. She just decides she wants to take a dip, as you do. And she's she strips naked to get in this water when there are men not a hundred feet away because Hunter randomly wanders on her uh, randomly wanders on her while she's bathing and then he just jerks his gun up and he's like there's an alligator behind you and she's like there's no alligators in this part the closest thing would be the caiman and he's and I'm just sitting there like really. Because the stock footage looks like an alligator. <laughs> Look, that, it's not, that stock it's, footage is not an alligator. We we just couldn't afford anything else. Also, bitch, he just said there's something behind you. Get the fuck out of the water. And she's like saying that, like, lower your gun and turn around. And I'm like, there's a fucking alligator behind you. Get out of the goddamn. Wa-. He actually has to throw himself into the water, like leap. <laughs> flying leap into the water to intercept the thing before it eats her. And she still has the gall to have an attitude with him. 
<sighs> but she takes off the gun, and we get to we get we get to confirmation that this was late '90s cable because we can see a nipple. Nice. <laughs> I, again, this is actually this is actually um, this is actually in my notes. Woo nipple. <laughs> 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 but no, um, I, I he like she gets dressed while he's wrestling the gator that she just shot, and he climbs out of the water and he's like, "Oh, you're injured," and she's like, "It's just a flesh wound," and he, being a dick, just grabs her and picks her up. And I'm like, wow, I can't like either of you, can I? Ah, oh, the 90s. So he grabs her, picks her up, and is like, I'm carrying you back to camp. She's like, I don't need you to. So he drops her. Which got a laugh. I thought that was funny. Good guy. I thought that was funny. Um, But he drops her and just storms off because he's not getting any, so he's pissed. Then our guys make it to the lost world and get lost. And they eventually stumble across, across Titties McGee. Um, very beautiful woman. Not a very good actress. Um, she's, she's fully clothed. And I actually had a problem with it that they immediately resolved. Because they're treating her like she's a wild woman that can't speak English. She then turns around and is like, I speak perfect English. And I, I like, I immediately was like, how the fuck do you speak English? And not a scene later. It's like, oh, yes, my family was part of an expedition that came here first. Um, they all they all died or disappeared. My parents are currently lost for the past 11 years. Um, can, can, can you say uh, in the closet there, uh, <laughs> refusing to come out and just believe the truth? He's like, oh, yeah, my parents just went out to get cigarettes. They'll be back soon. I promise. And then we get another scene of utter, utter stupidity. Um, So Hunter McHunterpants is, you know, doing his thing. And he hunts down a velociraptor and kills it, which, you know, it's the wrong size, but I don't care. I also would have very, very much appreciated if they like had been more accurate with the dinosaurs, because this did come out after Jurassic Park, when a lot of scientists were like, "No, these are the inaccuracies." So they could have been more ina- more accurate, but instead decided to just st- stick with what was popular. Well, yeah, that's that's the model. Yeah, I know, but I don't like it. Like, like nobody's gonna fucking say. Everybody's fucking say like, "Hey, Jurassic Park came out. It's the biggest goddamn thing in the world." And then some bullshit scientist said, "Yo, they got fucking feathers and shit. What the fuck are you doing?" So, so what are they gonna do? Are they gonna, are they gonna are they gonna go with the scientists and have a bunch of chickens running around, or are they gonna go with the fucking dope ass thing from the movie that made a billion dollars? Actually, some of the artists' renderings of dinosaurs with feathers are even more awesome looking. But I digress. Go, so, go with fucking Joe off. Schmo chugging his fucking PBR and eating his McDonald's, man. He ain't gonna fucking think, man, they put fucking feathers on the T-Rex. What a fucking pussy. That actually makes me angry. Okay, gonna just move on. <laughs> um, what part? Just the fact that it, it continued. Because <laughs> it didn't need to. Um, so... Um, 
so the we got we have T Rex. Um and Hunter Dude is like, Oh, well and he does the smart thing. Which shocks me. Because I expected him to fight uh, fight the T Rex and then somehow kill it. Because yeah. that's how this kind of show goes. Yeah, he but walks he out there's like, Oh a T Rex, eh? well, good old Queensbury rules. And he gets back to camp, barely out of breath, and Rich Girl says, Oh, what happened to you? And he's like, well, I hunted down a velociraptor. Oh, where's your kill? Probably in the belly of a T-Rex, as I encountered a T-Rex, and it then chased me for three miles, <laughs> which I just had to stop and laugh. T-Rexes are estimated to have been able to travel between 35 and 45 miles an hour at top speed. So if a T-Rex chased you for three miles, that means you are across between Usain Bolt and the Flash. Nah, dude, weave between trees. Serpentine. I don't trust this man is intelligent enough to be able to think of that. He kept sh- he kept fucking running over and shooting him in the toes. Just, but, build, just like, build no speed. What, here, basically, the, like this is my argument for he is a lying dick, because the more like the more logical thing is. He started running from the T-Rex, it took a few steps, and saw dinner, and just ate the dead Velociraptor. Yeah, probably. That's what I think is more likely to have happened. Yeah, then he's like, well, I can't say I ran away like a bitch. Eh, fucking it chased me. These guys, these idiots don't know how fast T-Rexes run. Yeah, but uh, another, like, we get another attractive wild woman, and then the uh, group says, alright, it's time to split up. We've been calm, logical, and safe for too long. You are going to go get an egg because I want to have a dinosaur for some reason. And we're going to go get photographs of dinosaurs. <laughs> Brilliant! Which, uh, the episode actually ends trying to make me think they're going to kill a character. And I'm just like, nah, you're not. You don't have the balls. But honestly, it was goofy, campy fun. I'm going to be watching more of it. Yeah, I, I, based on just what we talked about and what I've looked up of the show, I do kind of want to watch it now. Yeah, uh, it's on Prime, so... In the third season, there's a character from the future. Oh, good lord. <laughs> yep, 2033. The actual future. Can you imagine? No, not even. Not even. Can you imagine just the weird fucking dissonance that I sometimes get now watching old movies? It's like the far off future of two thousand and seven. Oh God, no! That's so weird. Um, it's like, oh fuck, right? You're from the past. I can't play video games really much anymore that have an actual date in them. Like I am actually dreading when like twenty thirty rolls around and I go back to try and play Persona Five. And I'm just like, why are they still using flip phones? <laughs> you aged that much by 2030? I'm already an old man. Come on. <laughs> I'm, I was born an old man. But, um. Well, so, in 2030, yeah. when I'm running this site by myself again, because everyone else has fucking jobs and lives and shit. Uh, I'll probably always be around. I'm a house <laughs> husband. That's my job. Anyway. anyway, yeah. So, so uh, 
so before all of this, Birdie and I had a had a thing that we were trying to do this month. Oh. We wanted to watch horror franchises that had gone to space. Naturally. Now, I've already talked about Dracula 3000. <laughs> um, yeah, man, the fucking ending of that goddamn movie. That's the no, only no, thing I remember about fucking Dracula 3000 is just the fucking main guy and the fuck bot on the spaceship as they just fuck into the sun. Yep. Now, I, I have to state this. We did have a rule. It could not be a franchise that started in space. So we could not touch any of the Aliens movies. There was an argument against the Predators movies. Yeah, Predator is not in a space. Bit. Well, Predators goes to space. Predators, Predators is from space, place. but... No, Predators takes place on an alien planet. Right. Forgot about that. I forget that movie exists. But we don't count that because they are an alien species, so there's arguments to be had for them just being in space on the reg. Uh-huh. So, no, wait, like, what the, what we got two leprechauns in space. Now, for those of, I, I have to do this because I don't really want to talk about this movie. <laughs> those of you who are unaware, Leprechauns is a franchise centered around Warwick Davis being the most interesting character in the world. Warwick Davis. Now, he is a leprechaun. And his whole shtick is... Uh, in, in the early movies, his whole shtick is, Gotta get me gold! I think, oh, they sold me gold! Oy. Yeah, he's he is brilliant. Yeah. He makes these movies worth watching. Um, I really can't think of anything else to talk about. So, we cut to Leprechauns in Space. Where we meet a bunch of G-Men. Not G-Men. That's not the right term. We meet a bunch of soldiers who are, you know, the standard soldier stereotype. Uh, dick bigger than my brain and nowhere to put anything. <laughs> kind of characters. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking up other... I'm trying to... I'm, sorry, the entire time we fucking talked about this, I have been looking up fucking... Trying to find goddamn movies that went to space. And every single one of the, every single list that I find mentions Alien, the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Critters, which is about aliens. Yeah. Like, there's a fucking list on screen where it's like 16 movie sequels that inexplicably went to space. Critters are from space. That's not inexplicable. They just, they're fucking from space, dude. It's perfectly explicable. Yeah. Hellraiser, uh, Hellraiser in space was my favorite one. That one's inexplicable. Yeah, it really is. I'm gonna try and do that one with uh, Birdie next week. I want to see if we can't find a way to watch that. <sighs> Jason X is inexplicable. It's more explicable than Hellraiser in space. Like their explanation actually somewhat makes sense. What, but the, anyway, what, that Jason's in, what, the Jason's Wolverine and the U.S. government wants his fucking juice to make super soldiers, then they get frozen and found fucking thousands of years later when hockey is extinct? Yeah. But, um... 
So, literally, uh, I highly recommend skipping the first 15 minutes. Nothing is said there that isn't later re-explained that actually matters. The spaceship's the only goal! The first 15 minutes is the leprechaun courting an alien princess As you with do. the intent of becoming a becoming a prince, I believe. Uh, no, becoming king, helping her kill her father. Uh, and then they both plan to kill each other. Like, the leprechaun plans to kill her, and she plans to kill the leprechaun. You know. Leprechaun. So... The faith and pride of Ireland. So these soldiers show up to rescue the princess. And they blow up the leprechaun. And these are the dumbest, dumbest, dumbest soldiers you've ever seen. Of course they are. They're the fucking soldiers in a leprechaun sequel. These, these guys are morons. And I say this because one of them does possibly, commits possibly the stupid, stupidest act I've seen in film in a long time. He pisses on the leprechaun's corpse because it was his kill. Ugh. Yeah. Are you sure they're not mercenaries? Oh, they might be mercenaries, but this seems like, like merc behavior. Like they, it's just dumb overall. It's this dumb behavior is what I call it. Um. So, our brilliant soldiers piss on the corpse and go back to up to space with the girl who's been knocked out by an explosion or some shit. Naturally. So, um, Horny McDingus, the guy who pissed on the corpse, goes to have sex, and the leprechaun erupts out of his crotch. Wait, sex with the unconscious girl? No, with some other chick who was on the ship. Okay, they don't go that far. Yeah, no. Um... But Horny McDingus tries to go have sex. The leprechaun erupts out of his crotch and kills him and the girl, I think. As you do. It's been a little while. Um, And then it turns into kind of... It honestly kind of turns into aliens. Weird. Because it's a claustrophobic environment with an unseen, overarching kind of man-behind-the-curtain character. Uh, who demands not only that they keep all of this around, like keep they stay on the ship, they have to kill the leprechaun or capture him or whatever, and like, he he make, he make, like, he makes all these demands, and the leprechaun is slowly going around killing them one at a time in his standard, exceptionally goofy, cartoony, silly way. This is the leprechaun we're talking about. Yeah, and I I feel the need to mention this. Looking at the character names, there's a character named Master Sergeant Metalhead Hooker. Yeah, he's actually my favorite character, and I'll get to him in a minute. Well, alrighty then. Um, he was in Full Metal Jacket. What the right fuck? So the the reason that uh, the 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 big chief is my favorite character is because at one point the Leprechaun mind controls him, and. They keep making up powers for the Leprechaun, and I'm perfectly okay with it. Uh, the Leprechaun mind controls him and turns him into a crossdresser. And the reason I love it and love him for it is because we get to see a 
basically someone who could arguably have been in the closet because of how masculinely he acted confronting his homosexuality and neither side truly accepting the other. I highly doubt that's what they intended, but I actually fucking love that kind of like dichotomous commentary on sexuality. Well, alrighty then. I think it's, I think it's, brilliant but i will not credit it to the writers or producer or director i think it's just something that accidentally happened i mean let me check my notes and make sure i'm not missing anything uh oh um this is actually something that i i'm still confused about at this moment the princess wakes up gets mad at one of the characters, opens up her top, and just stands there for a few minutes. Like, literally, like, there's, like, a minute where we're just sitting there staring at the princess's tits. And I have no problem with it because she has a nice rack. Mm-hmm. I have a problem with it because it doesn't actually, like, make any goddamn sense as far as the story is concerned. But she stands there, tits bare, and after she closes her top and walks away... One of the characters finally stops and explains, yeah, uh, that's a death sentence. Wait, what? Which I had to try and, like, figure out. Her tits are a death sentence? Yes. And the reason behind it is if you see the princess's tits, the king will execute you. Which actually makes some modicum of sense because it's basically you have ruined her innocence and you, you must be killed to preserve it. But they don't explain it like that. They just say, "Oh yeah, on her planet, if uh, the, if you show uh, if she shows you your tit, her tits, it's a death sentence." And Bertie and I actually had a ten minute conversation trying to suss out the logic behind it because we couldn't just accept that it was done just so that we could see the princess's tits. Yeah, when you initially said death sentence tits, I was like, "Where are they? So weird, like Medusa thing?" Nope, they're regular tits. Nice tits, but regular tits. But no, this this movie, oh god, Warwick Davis as the Leprechaun is brilliant as always. Um, I loved it. Um, I'm not gonna watch it again if I can avoid it. <laughs> so hey, uh, also no, 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 that's a bit of trivia. Uh, Master Sergeant uh, Metalhead Hooker, uh, he was originally supposed to play R. Lee Emery's role in Full Metal Jacket. Wow, cool. But then, but then Emery replaced him. So now he is the guy in the chopper who screams, get some. Oh, there is one more thing that I must comment on. And Dead actually commented on it earlier. Hmm. The black guy survives until the very end. <laughs> which doesn't happen in shitty horror movies very often. It does not. Um, There are two black guys in this movie. Oh, that's uh, why One who dies... One who dies fairly, or one who dies fairly... Like, they both die, like hold on until the very end, though. Like it's kind of weird. But yeah, but oh yeah, but if if there are two black guys in the movie, one of them dies. Yeah, that's, the, that's the only but, way a black guy survives a horror movie. That's the only reason Sam. That's the only reason LL Cool J has ever well, made it through a horror see, movie. See, that's the thing. He seems like the kind of guy who would be one of the first dead because he's not playing the intelligent black guy or the self-aware black guy. He's playing a good soldier. 
But he not only does he survive till the end, he's the one who gets to sleep with the hot chick that everybody else wanted to sleep with. The <laughs> sex bot. Though she's not actually a sex bot. Well, okay. I In the very beginning, I was like, oh, she's a sex bot. <laughs> Before they even revealed that she was a robot. Because I was like her, like the the like it just made sense to me. Yeah, but then she reveals she's a robot, and I'm like, she's definitely a sex bot. And she's like, I'm a reprogrammed robot that was designed for infiltration and blah 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 blah. And I'm like, oh okay, so they aren't going to be dumb with her character. They're actually going to make her somewhat interesting. And then we get to the end, and she's like, by the way, the model that they reprogrammed me off of was SXBT or whatever she actually used to describe it. And his face lights up and I'm like, she's a sex bot. I called it. <laughs> it's like, you can use me to pleasure yourself before you die. And he's like, Oh man, I'm going to die happy. Just, Have I been confusing so Leprechaun four with Dracula 3000? I don't think so. So both these movies end with the main guy fucking a sex body into the sun. No, I'm com- confusing. No, no. He Leprechaun is the one that ends with the sex. No, I think I might be getting confused. No, okay. Leprechaun ends with um, Leprechaun ends much less interestingly. Uh, it ends with um, Soldier Boy and I think the one black guy escaping along with the chick. Yeah, according to the internet. You got me confused. Yes, yeah, so according to the internet, um, Staff Sergeant Brooks, you have Staff Sergeant Books Malloy, and Doctor Tina Reeves survive along with uh, some dude named Sticks. Yeah, who I believe is a black guy. Uh, based on the name Miguel A. Nunez Jr. Hmm, I guess not. Yeah, but that guy's also from The Return of the Living Dead. Which is a really interesting movie. And star, no, he looks black. And stars one of the best named people ever. He looks black. Yeah. He might not be. He might not be black. He might just look it, but he looks black. And yeah, he's he's. I'm pretty sure he survives to the end. So yeah. Yeah. Well. So anything else? Uh, no. All oh, right. Uh, well, the the ending made me hate the movie even more because the very last thing that we focus on is the leprechaun's middle finger floating away through space. Ah, leprechaun, just, keeping it classy. Thank you for telling me how you feel about me, movie. But yeah, that that's all that I watched and wanted to talk about. All righty then. So, for me. I'll start with movies. I watched Return of the Living Dead. An absolute classic. Yes. Starring the amazingly named Clue Gulliger. That's his name. But yeah, uh, not much to really say about this. It's just a really good fucking zombie movie. And it's also the movie that introduced the idea of zombies going brains. An absolute classic. Yeah. And get, anybody who disagrees can go to hell. You get to watch a lady who's naked get torn apart by zombies, then come back as a zombie with not a scratch on her. I love horror movies. Her name is Trash. 
And she does a big old naked dance number. Just in the cemetery for no reason. I love horror movies. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> and then speaking of horror movies, I also watched Apostle, the new uh, horror movie on Netflix. From Isn't Gareth Evans, the director of The Raid and The Raid 2. So I'll take that as praise? Mm. <laughs> the hesitance. The movie's alright. It is two hours long and it feels like it's missing an hour. So... Cloak Americans and I can make it to the movie is a Wicker Man style thing. So it stars Dan Stevens of The Guest, uh, who is the who is the son of this family whose daughter was who had who had a daughter that was kidnapped. Um, they uh, that the they were, she was kidnapped by a cult who lived on this island out off the British coast, and so and the cult sent back a thing of like, hey. Hey, father person, come alone. Bring this much money and we'll give you your fucking kid back. So then the dad, being the piece of shit that he is, uh, finds his thought-to-be-dead drug-addled son and tells him, Hey, go rescue your sister. We're not giving them the ransom. So he well, sneaks... Well, that's, that's great. Yeah, so he sneaks his way into the island and finds this whole cult thing happening there, which, you know, is what it was. Uh, it's led by Michael Sheen. Who is there, like, proclaiming the blessings of this goddess or something. Uh, but we do see kind of throughout that the that these guys are... The people leading the island are kind of three dudes. Um, Michael Sheen and then two others who were, who were, like, people who had been arrested for crimes against the crown. But then the ship went down the main and they, and they found their way to this island where they met, where they found the goddess... Uh, and as we learn, literally found the goddess because the goddess is just a person. A magic person, but a person. Which I don't think is really a spoiler. It, whatever. Anyway, um, yeah, so, yeah, so it's just him. It's just the begin. Like the first fucking hour of this movie is just Dan Stevens sneaking around, learning things, and nothing really scary happens. We get fucking one bit. We get one bit. Where we see, where it's actually a pretty decent bit. Uh, so like, uh, Stevens is like walking around trying to find his room, gets to his room, and we get this, uh, and we get like a reverse shot of him opening the door, going to the door, and we just see a person standing into the hallway, just staring at him. It's all out of focus. And yeah, out of focus. Yeah, and and so he doesn't really see what's up with that. Uh, then he goes to open his door and pricks his finger on the doorknob, which then the blood drops onto the floor. He walks in. He walks in. There's nobody at the end of the hallway anymore. We see the blood begin to like, fucking move along the floor into one of the floorboards, and then it just cuts to a fucked up person's mouth going, <laughs> trying to suck up all the blood from the floorboards. So it's Hellraiser one. Um, not really. But yeah, and then it is nothing for the next like fucking forty five minutes until we get to the um, viscera sluice. And then some fucking old lady crawls out of the fucking gore and tries to fucking rip Dan Dan Stevens' dick off or something. And for some reason, when we when we see when we see like a shot of Dan, I'm just gonna call him Dan from now on because that's funny to me. 
What was he, Dan? He is like struggling to keep his head above the fucking gore. As because because like from the gore to the roof of the like stone cave he's in, it's like two inches. But then we see this oh, lady. Yay. But then we see this lady, and she is on her arms, fully extended up, crawling after him as fast as she can. Okay. And it, it's weird. And yeah, for the for the majority of this movie, it doesn't feel like a Gareth Evans movie. Like, like, like his whole thing is very, very like kinetic camera work and have and like having that having that all work out and stuff. And we don't really get that until the odd moments where it all of a sudden turns into an action movie for like ten seconds. And it's yeah, it's it's like watching The Wicker Man, and then it cuts to the raid for ten seconds, then goes back. And it is in really weird moments too, like like as a like as a guy just kind of like if they figure they figure out that hey one of you motherfuckers is a is is not who he says he is so we're gonna go down the line and have you guys recite our Bible if you get it right then you're good if not we'll fucking kill you guess guess who a guy like three guys before Dan and turns out he's an assassin. So he dives out with a knife, tries to slash at him. Dan goes and grabs at him, and then it turns into the raid for a bit before he gets stabbed by fucking 17 spears. And then a bit near the end, where all of a sudden, like, he, Dan is being held up by two spears, and then he just fucking is able to get the drop on the guys holding spears at his back and stab a guy, stab a guy through the throat with his buddy's spear while the buddy is still holding it. And that's all shot like the raid. And yeah, I I don't know how I really how to feel about the movie. Like it's it's decently acted. Dan Stevens is a really solid actor. The rest of the cast is the rest of the cast is good too. It's got some decent visuals and a, a really good production design, but it just doesn't it feels like there's a good chunk of it missing that explains something or like it, it just feels like we're missing part of the movie. And that there, there's so there's so much fucking build up to the payoff of just kind of nothing <sighs> with no context, no real idea of what is for certain happening here? What this old lady is? What she fucking does? Any of that? And near the end of it, we get this whole storyline beat where one of the guys who was in charge of Michael Sheen just tries to do a hostile takeover, and that just kind of comes out of nowhere. And so yeah, the movie. This movie could have been really good, but it just kind of falls flat and misses the mark. Not always sucks. Yeah. But something that doesn't miss its mark, motherfucking Speed Racer. That movie is a lot of fun. I goddamn love Speed Racer. I was just fucking sitting around one day just thinking about other bullshit and then all of a sudden I just Speed Racer popped in my head. I went, got a hold of it and just fucking watched it. I'm like, yeah, fuck, this movie's good. I goddamn love this movie. 
I have no idea what prompted it. But just every once in a while, I get this urge to watch Speed Racer. I think I was like reading a thing that mentioned the guy who plays Royalton in the movie. I'm like, yeah, fuck Royalton. God, it has been an age since I've watched that movie. <laughs> he was so good. Yeah, I guess for the uninitiated. Speed Racer was an old fucking anime back in like the 60s. Uh, then the Wachowskis, they made it into a movie. And it the is... The Americans change his name from Go to Speed. Yeah. And yeah, it is the only good American adaptation of an anime. Don't at me. I have to actually agree with you completely and wholeheartedly. Yeah, because it is... Like, like, obviously, what they do with it is beyond the scope of the anime. Like, just, like, the way that they fucking choreograph the driving sequences, the way that the actual races, I think, go. Because from what I remember of Speed small Racer, clips I've yeah. seen on YouTube of people making fun of Speed Racer. Because that's my only real, in, in, like, fucking entry point into the fucking franchise. Um, it was mostly just, like, cars driving straight with occasionally they have butt saws. Yeah, that sounds pretty accurate. Whereas with this, they are fucking flipping over each other and they're like driving along these in fucking insane Hot Wheels courses and fucking they spend half their time spinning around in circles, driving backwards fucking into the air. And it's it's just fucking it is Wachowski's for days of just this near constant stream of just CG colors and insanity. But it all works. They are able. They're able to like fucking have this, have this thing that could essentially be just fucking digitized vomit, and they're able to choreograph it in such a way that it actually is really engaging to watch. See, now I love. I actually do enjoy the um, the Speed Racer movie, just in general. But I have to disagree with you on the making it like making colorized vomit enjoyable. Because I actually have a lot of trouble processing what goes on in a lot of those scenes. Really? Because, yeah, the motion is so frantic, so fast. There's so many bright, fast colors whirling around constantly that it does It does actually... Do, and that's why I say that while it's a good movie, I still think it's a bad movie. I thoroughly enjoy that film, but I don't think it's... There, there are too many mistakes for me to just sit there and praise it. And they all come in the race scenes because they are very, very difficult to follow. Really? I had not had that problem. I get a bit of uh, motion blur and motion sickness just in my day-to-day -day life, so... No, yeah, I do too. I can't it. sit in this... I, I can't drive in a car. With, like if, I, if I'm in a car, unless I'm driving, I can't be in a car for more than 30 minutes without getting sick. Uh, but like the the thing, the biggest problem with the movie is they try and interject inject the the frantic speed into every scene they can. So you'll get um, Spritel and Chim Chim rushing down a corridor, and it's twisting, turning, fast, blur, and I lose track of what's happening. Well, in the Spritel and Chim Chim scene, that's just chaos. They stole a golf cart and are now racing through fucking Royalton Motors, just freaking the fuck out. But you understand what I'm saying. No, yeah, I can, I can get where you're coming from. 
I just haven't had that problem. I have been, I, I can sit down and watch that movie and I get the, I get the geography. I get the fucking, I get the look of the world and I get how fucking the race progresses. Thou art picking up what I am putting of the downs. Yes. And I really enjoy it. I actually think that kind of is one of the things that helps make the movie. Like, talk, you're talking about, like, injecting fucking speed. There is a bit in the... There's a bit in one of the races uh, where they just kind of... Where they, like, stop out... Where they, like, stop the... They, they go where there, there are no cameras following this race. And they're getting ready to, like, swap out drivers because they did a little, like, bait and switch because one of the drivers was poisoned mm-hmm. the night before. And so they, they get there, and then the mafia shows up because, you know, the mafia... And it's just like, hey, we is to fucking kill all y'all so we can win the race and get your fucking motors. And then it turns into this big fucking fight scene. And because it's snowing and the camera's whipping around, they have in-universe anime speed lines. And it was this really smart way of incorporating that aspect of the of anime into this live-action thing without making it feel too out of place to me. And yeah, the cameras is whipping around. There's fucking motion blur at all times. And it, I think it looks great. The only, like, the one thing that I will say that I find just very, like, the lacking, the most lacking part of the movie is Emile Hirsch's performance as speed. Because while everyone else is giving it their all, fucking Susan Sarandon is there just being a great mom. Uh, John Goodman is there in his John Goodman-y goodness. Uh, you got Christina Ricci uh, playing, uh, I think it's Trixie. Is that fucking Speed's girlfriend? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Oh, also, Speed is a fucking girlfriend. That's just a thing that just is. Which I fucking love. If anybody else had fucking made this movie, them getting together would be a fucking plot line. It'd be half the goddamn movie. Yeah. But with this, they just are. The joke is they never get to kiss because Sprite will keep showing up. Until the very end, and then the fucking camera flashes turn to hearts, calling back to a scene earlier where some girl called Speed a retard. Because that is it. This movie was made in a time. Yeah, because during one of the early one of the during one of the early flashback scenes, where it's like showing how I guess Trixie and Speed hooked up. They're both like ten, and Speed's driving around the park in his little fucking go kart. Trixie's talking to some girl, and then Trixie's like, yeah, fucking retard. So then Trixie just fucking knocks her out in the fucking face. Which is great. Really endeared me to that character. But then Emil Hirsch, he'd spend, yeah. the Emil Hirsch spends the entire movie just being real breathy. And not putting a whole lot of emotion into what he's doing. Like, you get, you get bits of it, but, ever, but for the most part, he is kind of a flat note in the whole in the whole project which is a real shame because like you said everyone else really seems to be giving it their all oh yeah fucking even fuck uh what is it Matthew Fox from Lost is that that fucker playing Racer X oh yeah Racer X was great yeah Racer X was fantastic which that's a whole depressing backstory yeah that whole thing was great uh Fucking Royalton. Just he 
He switches so fast and so hard, and it's great. Just you know what's coming, but you just don't. You just don't. I didn't expect that hard a fucking turn. Because the guy, the guy playing him, he just has a voice that sounds slimy. No offense to the guy, just. Just no offense to the guy who plays them. I'm sorry, I don't remember you your name right now. You were perfectly cast. You were brilliant in this. No hate. Yeah. He, he just walks in and he is just, he just all slime, just trying to sell the racer family on just, hey, sign with Royalton. We'll fucking make these cars. You'll be fucking racing in hell. It'll be great. It'll make so much fucking cash. And then, and then he's like, oh, great. You came back. Yeah, let's sign these contracts. And then Speed gives him the suit back and he's just like, you motherfucker. You f- fool. You think you can challenge me? No, it's, it's, not, it's not even that. It is just pure vitriolic anger. And he goes into this whole like five minute long speech about how the fucking Grand Prix has been fixed for fucking decades and how racing is not about goddamn cars or drivers or spirit. It's about fucking cold, hard cash and business. Like he fuck like the whole the whole speech is built around this fucking trophy that he has that is just a mangled up car engine because apparently that car engine was the engine from a guy who lost a Grand Prix which then caused a fucking like stock in a company to plummet or whatever and then the and then the guy who owned that company was able to sell for a fucking mint or something some kind of complicated insane business strategy involving stock price fluctuations because the fucking car crashed. And that just gets him fucking rock hard. Ugh, gets my rocks off. Ugh. And they and they incorporate a lot of the they incorporate a lot of the elements of the of like old speed racer into this. Like, like at the end of one of the races, speed does the whole thing where like the cars like gets out and they like the car like skids into skids into the finish line, and he just jumps out in that really awkward pose, landing, and then stands up with the fucking finger gun ready to go. Uh, they incorporate the music a lot into this, and fuck man, that speed racer, that speed racer fucking theme. They updated that in a way that it just adds so much to any scene it's in. <sighs> speed racer is a good fucking movie. <sighs> so let's move on to TV, I guess. Less straight up good things to say about TV shows. But I'll start with the best thing. Legends of Motherfucking Tomorrow. It's back, baby. Ooh, that means I'll be getting uh I'll be uh I'll have to finish season three soon. Season three is really fucking good. Yeah. And now we're getting to season four. I was four. holding off because I wanted to be uh, you know, closer to when it would release on um net when season four would be closer to release on Netflix. Yeah. Which, if it's showing right now, that means I can go watch season three and finish it. Yeah. And then with season four, uh, and episode one is about fucking Constantine sucking a unicorn to hell to stop a massacre at Woodstock. You know, That's true. Legends of Tomorrow. <sighs> I don't want to say too much because I don't want to fucking spoil it for you, but it's just, it's just good. It's just straight up good. Legends of Tomorrow is still the best fucking show that the CW has ever had. 
Okay, so um, I'm going to give my opinion on superheroes in general, and it might sound a little controversial to certain sorts of people, but... Hi. The two best representations of superheroes in popular media, in my opinion, currently is Legends of Tomorrow and Guardians of the Galaxy. And I say this for one simple reason. These both understand balance. And I, spe I specify Guardians of the Galaxy more than the rest of the Marvel Universe because the rest of the Marvel Universe doesn't really have as great a hold on balance. And that balance is between, well, everything sucks, the universe is going to die, I'm depressed. And, well, uh, penis joke, penis joke, penis joke, vagina. The, they both seem to have a very inherent understanding of the balance of humor and tragedy. And that is where superheroes sit best for me. Just on, straddling that line between, oh, this is just funny shit, and, and oh, God, what did we do? <laughs> That's where superheroes fit best for me. And I always appreciate it when media like is able to embrace that. Yeah, I just I just like it because it knows what it is and it fucking goes. Like like a lot of the other shows, they will have their super in super in depth melodrama while they're fucking punching robots and shit, and like that's fine, but. Nothing goes as hard into what comics are to me like Legends of Tomorrow does. It just wholeheartedly knows what it is and doesn't try to shy away from it or make it something that's not or try to downplay it with their own melodrama shit. It is just, we're a bunch of fucking weirdos traveling through time. Let's have fun with it. And if weird, awesome, dramatic shit happens along the way, that's okay. Yeah. Because like, that's ultimately what being a superhero is. It's a group of random motherfuckers who somehow got brought together who deal with shit that they should never even have conceived of on their own. Yeah, like, there's an episode in season three where two things of real important note happen. One, we learn that Mick Rory is writing a Harlequin romance novel. Seriously? Yes. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. my god. And two, a character tries to kill themselves to get out of a time loop of watching all of their friends die. That perfectly illustrates what I was talking about. Those both happen in the same fucking episode. That illustrates exactly what I was talking about. Oh my god. Oh my god, that's brilliant. <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow is great. And now we're getting fucking Matt Ryan as Constantine in here as a regular character. Which is great. And they seem to be going pretty well into what they do. Like fucking... Like Constantine straight up almost sends a guy to hell. 
just he just, he brings in a guy who is like a fan of his and it's like all right yeah so um see you in hell dude and the, the only reason he doesn't go to hell is because the rest of the legends are there to go dude what the fuck why was he about to banish the guy so so they needed they needed to draw in the unicorn because the unicorn um it eats people's hearts and it loves the heart of a virgin. So they get Gary. And use Gary as bait. Uh, Constantine is like, yeah, so hold this pomegranate up. Unicorns love pomegranates. To not to have uh, Gary not realize that he's the bait, not the pomegranate. Uh, and then and then he's like fucking and then John is doing his whole thing, summons a portal to hell, begins sucking the unicorn, and then the unicorn grabs Gary by the wrist with his teeth and is about to drag him into hell. And John does not stop for a second. It's just, all right, yeah, let's keep this thing going. You're going to hell. If Gary goes with you, eh. That actually sounds a bit like Constantine, so. Yeah, this season seems to be. Like the the overarching thing with the season will probably be trying to get John to be less of a di- less of a dickhole. Nah, that's not fun. No, he's still gonna be a dickhole, but probably a dickhole that, like cares about people. Yeah, that's not Constantine because it's fucking TV, dude. You can't you can't have real Constantine on TV. I know. I wish. I know though. Yeah, but Gary did still get his nipple bitten off by a unicorn. Probably the closest he'll ever come to sex. Uh, no, John. John then took him out into the depths of Woodstock. Ah, never mind. <laughs> Whether he wanted it or not, he got laid that night. Yeah. Oh, and also, um, Ava, a character who was introduced in season three as the one of the top people of the Time Bureau, is now a recurring character, and that's great. Oh yeah, I liked her. Yeah, she and Sarah are now just full on in a thing together. Oh yeah. And it's sorry, I had to do this. And it's pretty voice. good. Fucking she and Sarah have really great chemistry together. I like her actress a lot and the character. They've done some good stuff with her. So it'd be cool seeing more of her. I, I goddamn love this show. <laughs> He's so mad about his affections for the show. Fucking Adam steals a lock of Janis Joplin's hair. Because they need it for a spell to send a unicorn to hell. I cannot wait until season four hits Netflix. Fucking Nate steals Jerry Garcia's weed. <laughs> just, just, just walks up to fucking Jerry Garcia after he just rolled a blunt. It's like, yo, man, can I get a hit of that? Sick. Bye. <laughs> like he's chased around Woodstock by a bunch of hippies trying to get Jerry Garcia's weed back. <laughs> different end of the spectrum. Let's talk about Daredevil Season 3. Yeah. So yeah, Season 2 of Daredevil was not great. Just overall not great. And I did not know Season 3 of Daredevil had come out until I tried to watch something else and saw that Daredevil Season 3 was out. So I was like, ah, I just gotta fucking watch this. And hey, for the first time in a bit... The follow-up season to a Marvel Netflix show has not made me stop watching. Hmm. Because I 
never finished Jessica Jones season two, never finished Luke Cage season two, and never finished either season of Iron Fist. But this one, I watched all the way through and actually somewhat enjoyed myself. So, hey, market improvement from Netflix right now on the Marvel front. They went from a peak down to a valley to now just a middling plateau. Yeah, so Daredevil Season 3. That's where we like it. Yeah, so Daredevil Season 3 works off of the uh, Born Again storyline from Daredevil. And it is, yeah, it's about fucking the kingpin finding out Daredevil's identity, doing what he can to fucking fuck up Daredevil's life, and Bullseye's there. Because we got Bullseye now, and I'm just going to say, the best thing about this season is Bullseye. The guy that got playing him, I think he does a really good job of doing this really, you know, this really menacing fucking presence in there. Um, they do a lot of, like, really cool... They do a lot of really, like, well-implemented, like, small things to kind of work with his character. Like, uh, in, a, in a flashback scene that we see, uh, we see him just kind of hitting, like, throwing a baseball against a wall in the same spot over and over and over and over again for, like, hours. And then when we see him grown up, after we learn that, every time he begins having a freakout, we just see that fucking pitching arm twitching. And it's a rhythmic motion like he is throwing a ball against a wall. And it that works for the character. And they also managed also really the fight scenes with Bullseye end up being the more creative ones because as, as soon as Bullseye gets any distance, it turns into an entirely different fight. Because <laughs> like when Bullseye's up, like when Daredevil is up on Bullseye, then it just turns into a fist fight, and Daredevil is a better fist fighter than Bullseye. Yeah, obviously. But then Bullseye gets any distance, and all of a sudden he's just fucking hucking, t- fucking hucking computer monitors at Daredevil's face. Like there's a there's a great bit in uh, they get this one really great fight scene the kind of first fight scene we get between Daredevil and Bullseye and Daredevil is just spending half the fight just pressed up against fucking uh, like cubicle walls trying to find out where Bullseye is and all of a sudden some bullshit flies out from off screen and hits him in the face <laughs> like we don't even see Bullseye in frame and it's just fucking boom because yeah he just grabs anything and it, it's so good. They they do so they do so much great work with Bullseye in this. Some of it does look a bit uh, like CGE, like when Bullseye throws scissors into Daredevil's shoulder from two inches away. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daredevil's grappling Bullseye from the back, and then Bullseye grabs a scissor and throws it to the guy on his shoulder. Like doesn't like okay. throw it up and then it bounces back or whatever. It just from hand to shoulder. And it very much and it very much looks like we couldn't figure out how to do this, so here's a CG model of a scissors going into his shoulder. And that's unfortunate. But then we see him fucking using the reflection off of a window to ricochet bullets off of a fire escape to shoot people. Oh god, bullseye. <laughs> yeah. Like fuck in Right before that happens, what he does is he hears people in his apartment, so he goes to one of the lighting fixtures and takes off some dangling glass bullshit. And he starts hucking him at people. The first kill Bullseye ever does, he used, he bounces a baseball off of a fence post to kill a guy. Because this coach took him out of the fucking game for being too good a pitcher. What? 
yeah, yeah, Bullseye fucking is pitching near a perfect game, and then he's like, hey, man, we fucking gotta let the other kid play. So, Are you fucking kidding me? You don't take someone off when they're about to pitch a fir- perfect game? Yeah, and Bullseye agree with you. So he grabbed his baseball, hugged against the fence post, and they hit the guy in the back of the head so hard he died. I'm not entirely sure Bullseye's the bad guy in that scene. <laughs> He's also like 12. Yeah, not entirely sure he's the bad guy in that scene. Yeah. And another thing of praise with the show, uh, sound design was really interesting, which I never thought I would actually say. Like, uh, so this takes place kind of directly after uh, the, well, directly after, like a number of months after the end of the Defenders, which for those have seen, spoilers, I guess, but a building falls on Murdoch, a building falls on Daredevil. As you do. And then he gets flushed out of the fucking poop. He, like, he somehow ends up in the sewer and flushed out of poop pipe into, into the place where Catwoman got her powers, I guess. And then, yeah, he spends, uh, he spends like the first couple episodes, uh, or like the first part of an episode, uh, deaf in one ear and not able to smell anything. And every once in a while, we'll get like a, the closest thing to POV shots you can get with Daredevil, which is the POV of his sound. And since I'm since I watch all these shows wearing headphones, I got to hear this a lot better. But they managed to actually get the sound design right, so that it sounds like you're deaf in one ear. Oh, that's oh, that's trippy. Yeah, like like all like just none of the sound is coming through the right is coming through the right stereo channel, except for a low except for a high pitched low hum, and this weird feeling that your ear is underwater. That is trippy. Yeah, and it's so good. And then they and they fix it by having a neti pot be used once. It's really a thing. He uses the neti pot, I think, wrong, and then he's kind of cured. Okay. Yeah, it, that it, yeah, it's. That, that was that part wasn't great, but uh, the season overall. Uh, I talked with Cora a bit about it. And it has a lot more even pacing throughout. Like there's a like the beginning is a bit iffy, and there's one one episode. The, the the beginning half of it is just a flashback that serves no real purpose other than some character development for Karen. But it was kind of unnecessary and broke the fucking pacing of this show. Like things things are going along at a really good clip. We got Bullseye out there doing shit. We got fucking Kingpin and his overall machinations and. We got Daredevil trying and failing to keep up while everyone else in his life is like, bitch, let us help, you fucking moron. And then and then it just fucking stops so we can see how Karen's dad's a piece of shit. Like more so. And we get to see that and we get to see their brother was fucking the bee's knees or whatever before he fucking died. Which isn't a spoiler, because we learned that early on the fucking season one, I think. But yeah, I... Daredevil season three is alright. I'm actually interested in what they're doing next with season four. Which is more than I could say for any other Defenders property. Ugh. 
Uh, yeah, so from there, uh, I also watched the new Doctor Who. Because we have our new Doctor, our first Lady Doctor. Who? Exactly. So yeah, uh, for those who hadn't heard, uh, Peter Capaldi, the 12th Doctor, he retired. And so we have our new Doctor, the 13th Doctor, who is a lady, Jodie Whittaker. Who some of you may know from Broadchurch. Also featuring Doctor Who. Yeah, this was kind of the thing that got me back into Doctor Who. I fell off pretty hard right before Capaldi joined. Same. And I tried to go back to watch Capaldi's run, but it just pushed me away for, I think, every reason that initially drew me into Doctor Who. That's interesting. Yeah, my, my main problem, I think, with it is just kind of Clara. That's her name, right? That I have no idea. The girl who you meet who's originally a Dalek and then fucking time bullshit happens? Yeah, no, I don't know her name. Yeah, I don't I know characters' names. did not like her at all. I thought she was, of the companions that I had seen, one of the worst. And so I just kind of didn't really feel the urge to watch anything involving her. And then she is there throughout Capaldi's run. I think, except for, except for like the last season, I think. So, unless I want to jump into the middle of a dude's run, then fuck me, I guess. But then we have Jody. But then we have Jody, and she. I kind of like her as the Doctor. She has this really adorable quality, I guess I'd call it. <laughs> which I think works better for the doctor than, than a lot of the other stuff that we've seen. Then like, I, I think, I think that works for, I think that works for like a fucking like alien time hanger outer than any kind of like really hardcore shit they're doing. Like, like it kind of actually reminds me a bit of some of the times with, uh, Christopher Eccleston, the ninth doctor. Mm-hmm. Just to get that big dumb smile on his face, just like, oh, fantastic. Then we get her, and one of the one of the things that kind of like made me, one of the kind of things that like really sold me on her, uh, was when she was building her own sonic screwdriver using spoons and weird circuit boards that are bigger than the sonic screwdriver. And she just she just gets a spoon and just gets this giant fucking look smile on her face. And then we see her again wearing a fucking like blacksmith's like leather apron and goggles that I think are like two times too big for her head. Just comes out with a fucking screwdriver. How dare you? Yeah, she's just she's just a lot of fun. I like her. Um, I do not like the companions though, because they killed the best companion in the first episode. Seriously? Yeah, because because the companions for the companions for the for the beginning of her run are three of them. Um, some shitbag, that guy's childhood friend, and then that guy's step grandfather. It starts out with four of them, including his grandma. And his grandma was fucking awesome. Come on, kids. Let's go kick some ass and take some names. Yeah. She died fucking fighting an alien ball of electric cables. Why did she die? Because fuck us, I guess. Instead, we're left with a fucking dickbag who's goddamn... He is the guy who fucking bookends episode one. 
and his and his whole fucking I guess character arc is him trying to ride a bicycle. Because he is a twenty, because he is a fucking like university aged guy who can't ride a bicycle because of a neurological condition that seems to not affect any other part of his life. Well, just gonna check off lazy writing. And hell, he's the fucking reason his grandma died, kind of. Dick bag. Yeah, because he's he's out there trying to ride a bike. His grandma and step grandpa are out there trying to teach him how to ride a bike and helping him out. And just being fucking sweet as hell. And then he falls over, takes his bike, and throws it off a cliff. So his grandma's like, we gotta go. You're getting that fucking bike. So he goes down to get get the bike, and some space bullshit flies in front of his face, so he touches it. Which then summons a man made of teeth. And that's the whole thing. The the man made of teeth is there to hunt a dude. He He brought the space electric ball of cables... And then that's how his grandma dies. Great. And he flits in between being like a, like, at least like vocationally trained guy and a moron. Because he, he'll, he'll, he like knows stuff about like some kind of electrical engineering or like elements or whatever. And he knows how to fix engines. But then when, but then when like the doctor's going to go away, she's like, all right, deep breath. And then he just goes <gasps> and does the whole like puffed out cheek thing, like a seven year old holding his breath. Good lord. Yeah, I don't I do not get it. And his fucking childhood friend, she is fine, I guess. I don't really have that much of a beat on her. Because the first bit that's because the first bit we see her that's supposed to like show her character, she incredibly easily diffuses a very volatile situation because she's a cop. Like, cops deal with some fucking weird shit. And the shit gets called out for is somebody threw a hammer through a lady's windshield because she was parking in their spot. So then she shows up. So then she shows up and goes, stop it. And the ladies are both like, okay. Which, I'm just going to say, if you're the kind of person who would throw a hammer through somebody's windshield, you don't stop when someone says stop. Yeah. You tend to keep going. Yeah. Even if they're cops. Yeah, if a cop showed up, it would just make the situation worse. And then you end up either shot or tased. Potentially bludgeoned. Yeah, I... It's... I'm probably going to end up watching a couple more episodes of this run of Doctor Who, but I don't see myself sticking around for long. Because the story beats of it are just kind of eh. Like, 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 none of them really grab me like any of the original, doc- like any of like the old, not old, but relatively old Doctor Who stuff I watched did. And fucking our, one of our, one of our main companions is such a cancer to me that... No amount of being a decent character Jody Whitaker is doing can save it. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what I got for Doctor Who. But then Black Lightning, I watched Black Lightning. That's the last. That's the last old show returning that I have watched. Black Lightning season two is out. One of that. Uh, yeah, remember how in remember like the that first season how it starts with 
a something that's a bit on the nose. Mm-hmm. Season two starts with vertical cell phone video of chokes of cops choking a young black man to death. Oh, yay. Yeah, just just a bit on the nose. Just like a little bit. And then they and then they add to it a bit by adding a news by adding a newsreel bottom third and having a lady in the back screaming, he's not struggling. Just over and over again. Yay. So yeah. It's a bit much. Like I get it, but still. Yeah, so this season uh, is mainly revolving around the pod people. Because I don't know if you reached that part in season one. But in season one... No. We, okay, I so, didn't. I don't this think kinda, I did anyway. So this is kind of spoilers. I don't really care that much. Okay, then. So, yeah. Like, I wasn't that into the show. It was good, but... So, yeah. We learn that um, Gamby uh, was part of a government organization that was experimenting on black children. Yeah, I remember that. And... That government agency came back and had been experimenting again using green light, the drug, and anybody who would be in exhibiting powers, they would snatch up and put in pods to study. Okay, yeah, I saw that part. Yeah, so then at the end of season one, they beat fucking, they beat Proctor, they get the ASA, I guess, out of Freeland for the most part, I guess, and now, now there's a bunch of kids in fucking pods and no idea what to do with them. So, uh... Lynn, the wife part, uh, her whole storyline is going to be trying to fucking figure out what the fuck is going on with these kids and how to help them because how they got powers is killing them naturally. And so anybody who isn't in a pod essentially has six months to live. And the people in the pods, they can't really get out because the government is claiming they own them basically. You know. Okay, I'm actually going to veto that. Because even currently, the government isn't stupid enough to try and pull that kind of bullshit. Uh, I'm just going to flat out and call that a no. Because there are so many watch groups and other governments in the world that would step in and be like, you own people. I'm okay. I probably I probably said it wrong. Uh, the The government is taking custody of the kids in the pods because they are potentially dangerous, given that they have powers. Okay. Then a guy who then a guy who uh, like a, a like a member of the Freeland community uh, talking to the parents of some of the kids in those pods. He reduced that to saying the government is saying they own your kids. Okay. Okay, that the government isn't literally saying, "Hey, these are ours now." They are saying, "These are these are potential threats. We are taking custody of them until we figure out what to do." That that is far more believable. Yeah. Oh, and Bill Duke is in this. Uh, one of the guys from Predator, uh, the black guy from Predator. Oh, he is a brilliant actor. Yeah, he is in this as the new face of the ASA. Bill Duke is great. Bill Duke like has not aged well. You've definitely reignited my interest, so I'm definitely going to go back and actually finish, you know, season one, so I can understand what's going on in season two. Yeah, and they're also leaning a bit more into like the black exploitation side of things. 
Because there's a bit in, uh, I believe, the first episode, well, it's a couple times the first episode, where they have, like, fight scenes or, like, or, like, you know, suit-up scenes set to, like, some James Brown-style shit. Mm-hmm. Like, the slow-mo walk to them getting suit- suited up is just all of a sudden a fucking sick-ass baseline kicks in. And we also got a fight scene in the first season that is, I think, better choreographed than any fight scene that happened in the entirety of the first season. Wow. Yeah, and it's also a fight scene that has people, like, that has more than one enemy attacking the hero at once. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a fight scene with uh, Thunder, Anissa, uh, and her whole invulnerability thing. And it's, I think, really well done. They they do a lot of long takes in this. It's not a it's not like a one take fight. Uh, I thought for a second it might be because because they get because they get the bit of like the camera following them around going into rooms and like and, like fucking make room for people to get fucking thrown through shit. And so I assumed it might all be one fight. Well, it might all be one take or they're trying to do it that way. But no, there are cuts in it, like obvious cuts. But it all works. And yeah, I. And they also seem to also are doing a more comic book style thing with this because after the because like when we get into the when they get into the episodes, um, they have things start out with a like the monochromatic uh, like monochromatic uh, stills like frames from the show, kind of layered over each other with like title cards. Mm-hmm. We are apparently in the part of the season called the Book of Consequences. Which I'm not sure what they're gonna be going with with that. If if the if the if the season is gonna be like broken up into chapters, or if each season is a chapter now. But I guess we'll see. And I got I gotta say, it's kind of out the gate. I am liking Black Lightning season two a bit more than season one. Like I thought season one was fine, but with season two, they are finding their footing a bit more. That's good. Yeah. Oh, and I got to mention this for no other reason than to fucking quiet down the voices of my brain screaming about this, but there is a bit, like, not, not, even, not even an actual bit, just a fucking single person in a single scene of this show that is funnier than any of the comedy bits in any of the CW shows ever. And I don't know why it is this way to me. So Black Lightning is giving a speech to fucking his students or whatever, and then ends with a round of applause. And we have one kid who just is the one of the first people standing up clapping, and he is doing the weirdest fucking clap I have ever seen. <laughs> it is him. It is him standing there. You know, he has like a little light smile on his face. He's like, ah, oh, yes, the principal. He's a good guy, and he has both of his hands up next to his face, like he's doing like an aw kind of thing. But he, they are both just there, and he's just doing the like smallest golf clap possible. And this is in a scene of the entire student body of Garfield High standing up in uproarious applause. And he's got this one motherfucker like, um, yes, yes, this is good. I like this. See, my biggest problem with, uh, you know, the school part in general is they treat him like a messiah, which is like, hmm. Yeah, students don't think that way about the principal. Nope. Even if the principal is the greatest guy since Wonder Bread. They still want his. They still want him to like just back the fuck off. 
Yeah. Or they don't even know who he is. I didn't even know my school had a principal until like a, a, a assembly one day. Because it was a very new school, so I wasn't sure we like had everything in place. Yeah. I didn't go to a very new school. I went to a relatively old school, and I don't think I ever even heard the principal's name. <laughs> wow. It wasn't until grade 11 that I learned that I had even met the vice principal. I just didn't know. And so, yeah, but, like, I, I can understand, like, the community being a bit more into him. Because, like, oh, he's a fucking Olympic athlete. His dad was a great reporter. And now he's fucking here championing these fucking kids and being a part of this goddamn school that seemingly every white person wants to destroy. But the students would be like, yeah, fuck you, dog. Like, his whole call and response thing is a is the fact that every student, A, knows it, and B, is into it. Suggests brainwashing. Oh, yeah. Like, they, they get in there, and they get fucking clockwork orange, so they just have fucking, whose future is this? And then they call, fucking, if they don't respond within five seconds, they get electric shock therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he's brainwashing his students. Word. Um, yeah, it's not even electric shock. He, he just holds their hand until he, he just holds their hand until they respond. And it just does that over and over and over again. Yeah, that's how he turned fucking Garfield around. Just hardcore brainwashing. That's what that's fucking why that he is utilizing those shitty metal and plastic frame chairs. <laughs> just everyone is every time he goes and he sets up every one of those fucking assemblies himself, just making sure that every one of the legs of those chairs line up with the leads going to the microphone. He just grabs it and just sends a small electric shock throughout the entire thing. So it liquefies the entire school. Yeah, that's that's the thing. And he fucking says, whose life is this? Then everybody starts drooling. Black Lightning is history's greatest monster. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. <sighs> anyway, and last thing, two new shows. Uh, Manifest and the Rookie. Uh, Cora did a review of, Manif- of, the Manif- of Manifest. Uh, he... Was kind of into it. I am kind of into it. I was really hoping you're, uh, you were about to say, and I am going to fire him because he was wrong or something like that. No. Just so, like that would have been funny to me. I don't actually want Cora fired. Yeah, I don't either. He's fucking one of the only people. He's one of the last people on the site producing written content. Fuck, I don't even do that anymore. Yeah, so with Manifest, um, if you haven't seen the trailers or anything, uh, a plane takes off from fucking, I think, can like Jamaica or Cancun or something to the, to the States. Everyone in the plane, like three hours have passed. For everyone else, it's been five years. Then oh, let's yeah, figure out I what happened. Seeing commercials for that. Yeah. Uh, one thing they kind of don't give away in the commercials uh, is there's a bit more happening with it. Because it's not just oh our lives got changed and now we have to get deal- now we have to deal with them. It's oh our lives are changed and now some of us have some some kind of psychic powers. Oh, yeah. Like our, our main focus uh, are is on a uh, cop and her brother. Um, and both and like in the first episode, uh, both of them as they're just kind of running around, they hear voices in their head telling them to do stuff, which led to them fucking finding two girls who had been kidnapped. 
burn down the school. And in the second episode, He's um, brainwashing them. Yeah, in the second episode, uh, the brother he begins hearing this like violin song in his head, which leads him to another member, which leads him to another passenger on the plane whose son was wrongly imprisoned. So they bring him, so they have to fucking get him released from prison and find the right guy. He's the guy who did it. Do right, mate. Do right. Yeah, I, I. I'm I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, it's mainly I think it's mainly being sold by the acting because like the writing of it is kind of stuff we've seen before. It's like oh you've been away for a while and guess what your family's fucking someone new. Your whole family. Yeah, it gets a little awkward. Yeah, there is there is a there's a bit of an interesting uh, beat with it because um one of our characters is the like one of our characters is a twin sister. So he comes back and his twin is now five years older than him. And is dating his former best friend. Well, not former best friend. I guess I guess now former best friend, but until the plane had fucking landed, they were best the two of them were best friends, and then he comes back, finds that the sister is a fucking teenager, and is porkin his best friend, who is also a teenager. And he's still ten. And has cancer. Oh yay. Yeah, and then with our main cop lady, uh, she had a boyfriend who had proposed to her before she left, and then on her, on the way back, she said yes. Turned out that she turned out that that guy married her best friend. A lot of best friends, besties. And then the brother uh, comes back and finds out, and actually doesn't find out until relatively recently uh, that his wife had 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 a relationship with somebody else. That may or may not have still been going on when he came back. Oh wow! Like, like it wasn't wasn't a, it wasn't a thing of like he comes back and then they sleep together a few more, and then we see like her like sleeping together a few more times or whatever. It's more along the lines of he comes back. Oh, I need to end this thing, even though I'm still in love with this guy. Because like she still loves her husband. It's it's not a thing of like it's not a thing of like oh you've been dead for years and now my love is gone. It's like no, she fucking is still in love with him but she's also in love with this other guy because she thought he was dead trying to make the best of a bad situation kind of by lying about it and the daughter knows and the dad finds out and doesn't really confront like kind of confronts her but isn't like super dickish about it I'm probably doing a terrible job explaining this point is I just kind of the show the show's pretty alright I'm interested to see where they go with it um I could see this going one of two ways. Either they have an interesting explanation or they don't. That's it. That's those are the two ways. There seems to be a bit of a conspiracy happening here, um, which is kind of like talking about the plane and stuff. Because uh, end of the first episode, every passenger gets a fucking psychic call to return to the plane. Then the plane explodes. Oh, hooray! Yeah, and. <laughs> And one of the characters, like, like there's a gag order from the government, and the, and the government's like, don't fucking talk about this, people. We don't know what happened, and we don't want word getting out about what you think happened, so just fucking calm your tits. And then immediately a lady starts being interviewed by CNN. <laughs> and then, while watching herself on television, gets shot in the back of the head by a shadow.
you know, those people who, I, I don't know. I don't fucking know, man. But yeah, pretty much everybody, uh, pretty much everybody that we've seen so far of the people from the plane, they are, they are all getting some kind of call in their head to do certain things. And I'm interested to see where that goes. I'm interested if they have any explanation as to what actually happened. Because so far, I can't get a read on it. Because it's built, because it's kind of reminds me of a, of a bit like Lost. Of like, they're oh. se- of like they're setting up things that seem to have an answer, but I don't know if they actually have one or not. Yeah, that's... Because I, w- I was like internally joking, oh, there is a third option. They might have an answer and just don't plan to tell you. And with you saying that it reminds you of Lost, just like... Urgh. Yeah, but to be fair... We're seven episodes in, I think. Hmm. So we have some room to actually get answers. So we'll see where that goes. And then final thing, I uh, watched The Rookie. The new Nathan Fillion show. Which has two from Dark Matter in it. Oh, yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, and weird thing. She's porking Nathan Fillion. Which is disconcerting to me. And I know it shouldn't be, because they're both fucking adults. They're both... I'm going to say congrats to him. Yeah, it's just a a weird thing of, like... An actor who is kind... He's reaching weird... He's reaching, like, dad levels right now. Yeah. And to see him with two. I'm so used to seeing her as two that I'm having a hard time disassociating her with other characters. Like, seeing her in, like, regular clothes weirds me out. Yeah, that is the downside of, uh, you know, getting used to a character. Yeah, seeing her wearing earrings is... Like, like yeah, there's just a fucking bit where we see her with earrings. And I'm like, that's this is wrong. This is wrong. This alarm sounds going off in my fucking head of like, this isn't right. Are we in a time travel episode? What the fuck is happening? Gotta disassociate the character. Yeah, I'm still fucking waiting for her eyes to turn black and reveal the end of that alien subplot. Now, what if... It's not gonna happen, but what if it did that? Like, the rookie, the entire rookie, the rookie is just a backdoor season five of Dark Matter. Dark Matter. Oh man Uh, It could happen you never know Man it kind of sucks that we have to wait like at least 10 years Before anybody tries to kickstart another season of Dark Matter I mean fuck if the under If undergrads can get a fucking kickstart movie Why the fuck can't Dark Matter But yeah with Rookie for those that don't know Nathan Fillion is old And old people can't be rookie cops. Wait, what? That's the whole... I'm mostly impressed that he passed the physical. Yeah. Nathan Fillion is in decent shape for an old man. Well, 50. Is 50 old? Comparatively. (laughs) It's about halfway through. So... Okay, he's in decent shape for an older man. 
at 60, we'll be able to freely say he's an old man. But yeah. Um, yeah. So getting into it, uh, the show follows uh, three rookies, um, Nathan Fillion, two, and a guy. Who is not getting porked by two. Nope. And yeah, so all three of them, they get signed, they get assigned to training officers and to go out to do their jobs. And um, for reasons that are explained in the show, but that I still hate, uh, the sergeant of this fucking group of people hates Nathan Fillion with a burning and fiery passion. To the point where in the show, he says, it is my goal to make sure to see you leave this fucking precinct and stop being a cop until the day you die. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because according to him, he doesn't hate Nathan Fillion. He hates what Nathan Fillion represents. A man having a midlife crisis trying to become a cop. Okay. And it is to the point that he is... He only ever chastises Nathan Fillion. Like, if anybody else does anything wrong, then it's just like... Then it's just like... Then he just talks to him and like, hey, you did this wrong. Do it again. But then with Nathan Fillion, he intensely scrutinizes every single thing Nathan Fillion ever does. And I kind of hate him. Like, it's a similar kind of thing with, uh, like, Esposito from Castle. He kind of represents some of the things I hate about TV cops. Because I hate TV cops. Like, yeah, real cops, they... There is a lot more qualified people talking about why real world cops are dog shit. I feel I feel appropriately qualified to talk about why TV cops are dog shit. And he's one of the reasons just, just fucking laser focus on the wrong thing about his job. And it just seems fucking petty and shitty and like something a high school student would do. Yeah. And it also... The dude's about the same age as Nathan Fillion. Yeah, but he's been a cop since he was like 20. That's what makes it okay. <sighs> yeah, and we got our other training... We got our training officers too. Um, Nathan Fillion's training officer is just kind of... Just, I am a cop. Let's go do cop stuff. Uh, same kind of thing with uh, the with the guy's training officer. It seems to be it seems to be more. It seems like both of their storylines seem to be based seem to be basically just we have rookies we don't want to deal with, but we both want to be detectives. And then we have our other cop who is terrible, just the worst. Just horrible, horrendous, offend- offensive, terrible, bad, and their justification and their justification for it seems to be he is training a rookie officer, so he wants to see how she reacts to being partnered with a racist. Like one of the first things they do, their car gets honked at by a, by a bunch of Mexican guys in a car. They walk over to him. The Mexican guys appear to not speak English. So he starts yelling at them all the racist shit. It's like, you motherfuckers shouldn't come into the country stealing our gerbs. And so she translates, saying, talking back to him in Spanish. And then he says, hey, I wish I could fucking round every one of you motherfuckers up, put you on a boat and send you back to whatever shithole country you came from. And she responds, please don't honk at cops. It's fucking whatever. Turns out he speaks Spanish. 
And it was all a test. Was the racism included in that test? Who the fuck knows? Wow. And from the previews that we've seen of other episodes, he also appears to regularly practice police brutality. Great. And to make matters worse, to me at least, um, once he once he realizes that a crime that he is um, involved with is has somebody he's personally involved with involved in it, he just lets it go. Like like one of the things he does is he is uh, like to fucking test out two. Uh, she he puts him he puts her in a situation where she gets assaulted by a drug dealer. Great. So. She beats the crap out of him, arrests him, while the, well, this guy just kind of stands back, arms folded, just smiling. Uh, then turns out that, that drug dealer is his wife's drug dealer. So they let the drug dealer go because it, ma- it made the training cop feel bad. Fuck this guy. Uh, uh, yeah, I will not. I, I already was like, oh, this show doesn't sound like it's for me. It probably now, isn't. It's not I very good. vehemently... I cannot, I don't know this, watching the show would make me sick. Yeah. I cannot watch this. It's not a good show. But fucking. It has two in it, man. And God damn it. Just, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel a weird obligation to watch it just because of Nathan Fillion and two. <laughs> Which is a weird feeling. It is a weird fucking feeling to have that much fucking dedication to to fucking people I have never and will never meet or talk to. And then Nathan Fillion shows up at your door and says, thank you for watching. <laughs> Maybe it's because they're both Canadian. Like, I don't know. I listen to your podcast regularly. I'm that guy who donated $10. <laughs> So I was like, oh, thanks. First question, why? <laughs> Second question, why my first girlfriend is a gal? <laughs> that almost <laughs> killed me. <laughs> yeah, uh, so that's... Mm. This season has not had a lot of fucking shows I've been interested in. And Cora actually messaged me multiple times trying to get me to watch God Friended Me to talk what? about him the show. Uh, Cora wrote up a review of it uh, for those who hadn't seen it. God Friended Me is about a guy who gets friended by God on Facebook. You know, that old chestnut. Which at, I am, I'm kind of surprised because that it's a thing, or that no, no that that it was that it was allowed to go through as is because you know that did you ever hear or watch the series Kevin probably saves the world? No. So that's about a guy who is chosen by God to go out and find the fucking twelve apostles or whatever, or the twelve like only pure souls in the world. And link them to God or whatever to save humanity from destruction. It's based okay. it's based off of like a old Judaism, I think. And the show was originally called The Gospel of Kevin. But the name was changed because of, I think, religious outcry. I can't believe the like Oh god. But then God friended me is totally fine. 
Hell, God Friended Me sounds like a fucking Pure Flix movie. It really does. Yeah, it sounds like kind of it sounds like the kind of thing of like fucking hey God friend hey God friended me and he's he's using me to fucking teach me about the horrors and the demonic fucking influences of Facebook and social media. Woo! Stay on prayer chain. Ooh. Come on, man! You think after hearing me do it so many times, you'd be better at it? It's like ooh. I, I, I can't. I can't do it. Like you. Like Facebook is used by the devil. Ooh. Uh, yeah, and you've got that skill. I don't. <laughs> Yep, I am. I have the skill to be a moderate to not very good voice actor. No, I think I think all of us could be voice actors. We just have to find the right role. That's what we're watching then. On to news. So hey, you ever hear a wrong turn? No. It's an old horror franchise about fucking mountain people. It's like the hills. It's like the hills have eyes, but uh, not as influential or as controversial or as good. It was originally a movie starring Eliza Dushku about a bunch of people living in the mountains out in the woods who like fuck people. Okay. There are five movies, or no, six movies, now. Uh, with the most recent one coming out in 2014, and they're remaking it. Of course they are. Yep. The ser- the franchise creator, Alan McElroy, is coming back to write the remake, and then some dude who made the move who's made some movie called The Domestics is directing it. It's being done by some fucking film studio. <laughs> this I why? 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 I'm honestly not. I'm honestly a little surprised that it's not being directed by an Alan Smithy. They don't really do that anymore. I think Alan Smithy, as a name, has kind of been retired. I liked Alan Smithy though. Like I loved looking at a movie and be like, Alan Smithy, I have to watch this. Yeah, what I kind of loved about it was the fact that they had to fucking approach the Directors Guild of America to do that. What do you mean? Directors who wanted to Alan Smithy their movie, they had to approach a guild of directors to get permission from them to have their name removed from it, I think. That's even better. Let me double check that to see if I'm just... I I might be remembering it wrong. I just want to make fucking sure. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, good. So it was coined in 1968. It was formally discontinued in 2000. And it was, quote, the sole pseudonym used by members of the Directors Guild of America when a director, dissatisfied with the final product, proved to the satisfaction of a guild panel that he or she had not been able to exercise creative control over a film. Okay. Director, the director was also required by guild rules not to discuss the circumstances leading to the move or even to acknowledge being the project's director. <laughs> so if you Alan Smithy a movie and people knew that you did it, you weren't allowed to talk about it ever. Otherwise, the guild would be on your ass. Oh, that kind of makes it better. Now I want to read a comic called The Director's Guild of America. (laughs) (laughs) 
just a bunch of pasty white guys being like, so how can we ruin, ruin another franchise? No, dude, that, that'd be the Producers Guild of America. Oh, yeah, you're right. The Director's so Guild. Instead, they'd be like, I'm tired of making these shitty films. Can I make something artsy for once? And then, no, the then all of a sudden, a knife like flies out of nowhere and stabs him. <laughs> Tied to the knife, it's just a thing that says, no, also hire a black woman. <laughs> Anywho, we'll run along. So, Netflix announced recently that they have canceled both Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Oh, wait, I'm supposed to have a reaction. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so those are the guys. Because those being the first of the Marvel shows to go does not surprise me at all. Because Iron Fist is bad. And Luke Cage, until season two of Jessica Jones, was the least good. At least to me, anyway. I, I know Luke Cage was got like people fucking love that show. Or I did people or critics love Luke Cage? Because mm. a lot of really good critic scores. I didn't see a lot of fan reaction to it. All I know is that going back to that thing I said about cops, Misty Knight can suck my dick. Because fuck her, she is the worst. Fucking proof is an instinct. You're a fucking cop, Misty. But yeah, so that's happening um, according to a joint statement released by Marvel and Netflix. Unfortunately, Marvel's Luke Cage will not return for a third season. Everyone at Marvel Television and Netflix is grateful to the dedicated showrunner, writers, cast, and crew who brought Harlem's hero to life for the past two seasons and all the fans who have supported the series. There may have been a, there may have been a release set... Uh, there may have been a statement released like that for Iron Fist, but I don't care enough to look it up because it's fucking Iron Fist. Fuck Iron Fist. Yeah, and so James, you know, our James, brought up an interesting point that probably isn't true, but could be. It might be interesting. Um, he brought up the idea that Marvel canceled both of these shows so that they could bring the characters back as in a Heroes for Hire show. Hmm. Which probably won't Doubt happen, it. but could be interesting. The two of them have really good chemistry together. Like, there's a whole fucking bit in Iron Fist Season 2 that's just them running around doing shit, and it's the fucking best episode of the season. But I guess I we'll see. It. Yeah, I, I fucking doubt it too, but a boy can dream, goddammit. Fuck, in season two of Luke Cage, Luke Cage finally began to break under the idea that, like, finally get, finally began to, like, fucking accept the idea that he could be for hire. As opposed to in the first season where he was vehemently against it, just in spite of what Method Man was saying. Moving on from there, Clueless is getting remade. Remember Clueless? Why? Why would they remake that? Because it's a name people can recognize. That's it. That's all you need. If, hey, people out there, if you have ever released a movie or seen a movie, if you remember the name of it, guess what? It's getting remade eventually. Because apparently Hollywood is on a sick, because apparently Hollywood is cyclical. 
just fucking... I, I don't know. I don't know, and I'm sad. Curse you, Hollywood. You made Dead Man sad. Apologize. Uh, well, they kind of did, because you remember, remember that Boba Fett movie that was being made? There was a Boba Fett movie being made? Yes. Well, now it's dead. Good. Yeah, Good. just straight up. A but yeah. So this comes out from uh, Eric Weber, uh, a reporter who talked to Kathleen Kennedy, the head of Lucasfilm, and according to him, Kathleen Kennedy confirmed to him that Boba Fett movie is 100 percent dead, and they are instead focusing on a movie about the entire Mandalorian culture. Eh, I can appreciate that. I can't. Mandalorian culture doesn't fucking matter. None of this fucking matters. Star Wars is fucking Jesus fucking Christ. You'd think with fucking Solo, they'd learn. But no, they're still, under the, they're still under the idea that people care about stuff in Star Wars that isn't Star Wars. I do. So... <sighs> the rest of the world doesn't. Like, if it was just TV shows, fucking fine. Like, yeah, fucking Star Wars has made some good TV shows. And having a fucking, and having a fucking, like, you know, a regular animated series or whatever about the Mandalorian and culture, that's fucking whatever. But taking fucking $250 million or whatever the fuck it's going to be and putting it into a single movie that will only make its money back if it makes a billion dollars. That's what's killing movies, man. Well, honestly, if this one bombs, Disney's probably going to be like, Okay, it's obvious that the fans don't want this, so uh, let's just do a remake of the original trilogy. No, what they're probably going to fucking do is just, it's like, all right, so yeah, so, so this movie didn't make any money. Why? I don't know. All right, go through with the rest of them. Excuse me while I jack off into this ficus. You, stand here and watch me. We own Disney, motherfucker. We own the world. God, Disney is terrifying. Uh. Yeah, fuck it. Last, the last fucking news is fucking whatever. It's Alexander Skarsgård's in the Godzilla vs. King Kong movie. Who gives a fuck? Ugh. New stuff coming out. Do we care at all? Really? Because fucking... Nothing. Nothing is coming out this week. Unless you, unless you consider a fucking sequel to Johnny English. I don't. I don't. Well, the next week, that fucking Queen movie, Behemoth Rhapsody. No one cares about it. Fuck it. Fuck all this. Movies are doomed. I'm actually interested in the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. Like it actually looks like they're trying to do some. They're trying to make a uh, movie like that actually entertaining to people. I am biased against biopics, so that might oh, be, I am too. So that might be why I despise I them. I generally hate I am. them. 
but this one actually looks entertaining to me. Okay. Hey, these are on. We'll see when you end up seeing it, if you ever do. Probably on Netflix. Anyway, that's good for this week. Thank you all for joining us. Kind of burned myself out in of energy in those in the last bit with the news. I it kind of killed me. Well, at least you can go have a nap. Eh, probably not. My insomnia is real bad. Anyway, thank you all for joining us. We'll be back at some point more of this shit. Till I'm dead. And I'm caveman. My throat really hurts. I don't know why. Now I can make a few ways. I don't know if you're trying to be gross or not. <laughs> I'll leave that for you to decide. <laughs>